Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast, Season 2. I'm your forever coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and we are all here weekly to share the ups, downs, and all-arounds of the wild world of parenting. A safe space, a Lego-free space, to vent, to inspire, and well, perhaps this is the only adult conversation you hear all day. What is Adia doing? A, B, C, D. <laughs> is that funny? So each week, I will be joined by a fellow striving, thriving, and surviving busy mumsy. We learn together. We grow together. Hell, we cheers with an adult bevy when necessary. I get it. I am human and failures simply happen. I am not shiny and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am at its best. Even when the dishes aren't done, there's crayon on the wall, and well, my hair hasn't been washed in forever. I am Busy Mumsy. Welcome back, my beautiful Busy Mumsies. Ash here. Another Wednesday, another week. It is time for a chat. If you are a mother, especially who's been through or is currently navigating you know, the crazy world of teenage years, today's episode is tailor-made for you. We have a guest whose name has echoed in the households of countless mothers seeking guidance, support, and a dash of relatability. Founder of the much acclaimed Hang In There Mama, Allie Flynn is more than just an influencer and an educator. Through her genuine heartfelt approach, she has become the beacon of hope for many, drawing from her personal experiences and a bustling social media community. Allie provides a sanctuary where mothers from all corners come together, connecting over shared stories and supporting one another. I'm so excited to meet Allie. I'm I'm ready to learn. Addie is three, but before we know it, she is going to be 13. So I need all the knowledge and help I can get. So let's dive on into this week's Busy Mumsy Chat. Allie Flynn, welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I was so excited when you reached out. Yeah, and a New Yorker, <laughs> an absolute New Yorker. I love it, I love it. <laughs> I say it all the time. It, like, it always like just tugs at my heartstrings. Every time I have someone from New York or lived there for a good chunk of time that knows the hustle, the bustle, the oh, ins yeah. and outs of it, and the importance of a really good coffee and a bagel. Absolutely. You can't go wrong with that. No, yep. you can't. You yeah. absolutely and there's something about the energy that I think a lot of people don't understand if you've never lived here. Visiting it, you get a short little snippet, but when you live it, it's really, it's remarkable. Yeah. It, I also love, cause I, I, I would always tell people like, well, yeah, go, go on vacation there, go on vacation. And I've had friends report back and go, I went on that vacation to New York city and now I need a vacation from that vacation. It was just too much. Like it was just too much stimulus. And I'm like, well, yeah, you are from a small town. So I get it. Exactly. Yep. Too much pavement. Yeah, yes. Too, too much pavement. I just miss walking that much like I I honestly do now that like being in an area where like you, it's just you get in the car you get in the car like yep. I, it would it would actually take me it would be faster for me to walk Adia to school where we're located but you can't because there's no sidewalks right and so you have to drive mm-hmm. but the drive I'm not kidding you drop off in the morning takes an hour oh my gosh because of traffic potholes yes, crazy like, 
absolute chaos. You've right. got cars fighting motorcyclists. It's just, mm-hmm. it's bedlam at its best. Like you really have to be coffee infused to do the drop off. Yeah. When I moved out of the city, it took me a while to get used to the in and out of the car all the time because I was yeah. so used to just like plopping my kids in the stroller off. We went and you could just get somewhere super fast. And now all of a sudden it was like, wait, we need like to have the car all set and the car heated in the winter. And there was so much more of a process. Now, now I'm used to it. Now I like the process. It's a little bit slower. I'm ready for it. Bring so. it on. Yeah. Well, Allie, you have, you are, you have, you are, you continue to build an empire and that is hang in there, mama. And I really just, uh, before I hit record for the listeners, I have to, I, I shared with Allie, this is the really the first time to have someone on the Busy Mumsy podcast chatting about the teenage years. And it's mainly because I'm most comfortable talking about a newborn <laughs> and <laughs> I have a three-year-old, so I, I'm, I'm chatting about pretty much what I only know. <laughs> so when, when I came across your platform and just like read more, dived in more, ended, I was on your website. I, I was stalking you, Allie. I was stalking you. And I was like, this is just genius. And I want, I would love for you to rewind, go back to the aha moment of why and when you began your platform, Hang In There Mama. Yeah, it was a really specific time. And I hate to bring up the pandemic, but that's really when it all began. Uh, At the time, I had two kids in eighth grade, one in 10th and one in 11th. And all of a sudden, we went from having this bustling household of teenagers to now everyone's home. So it's still bustling, but they're all just sedentary at home and doing remote learning. And so I had a house full every single day for a good year and a half, almost two years. And in the beginning, I have to ask, do they get along? They do. So I have four girls. Good. So I have four (laughs) daughters, all within three and a half years. They do get along beautifully, but listen, we have our moments, right? There's moments of chaos and fighting and fighting over stupid stuff. But it got to the point where for me personally, I was starting to get bored right? They're all really busy. So prior to being a stay-at-home mom, I was an English teacher and a special education teacher. And I was always a writer. So I have tons of journals. And anytime I have any type of feeling, I'd write it in a journal or pick up my phone and put it in notes. And during COVID, I was just reading and reading and reading to fulfill this void of boredom. And one day I just said to myself, I think I can do this. And that's how it started. And I just took a really a big plunge. And one day I sent in an article to see if I could get published for an online publication. Within a few hours, they took it. And then from there, it just kept rolling. And it was like, okay, I'm going to take baby steps because I don't know how long I'm going to be here. Is this going to be two weeks, two years? And it started slow. Facebook, then Instagram, then a website. And what I realized was it's changed throughout the process. So now on year three, uh, this month, like actually last week was year three began. And it changed because I used to talk just about motherhood. And then I realized, wait, you know what? I have four teenagers and all of these moms are starting to feel the same way. We're all starting to feel a little bit isolated. We're feeling a bit lost. Let me reach out to those moms and sort of share with them what I was looking for. 
And that's right. really all it is. It's giving out what I would love to hear from people saying, right. you know, you're not alone. There's a big gap of lack of resource, I feel like. Yeah, I'm sure you do too, because you can find every book under the sun for breastfeeding, for newborns, for a swaddle. Yes, anything. I, got, I mean, anything. Oh, but yeah. The market is saturated online as well as in bookstores, you know, in hard copies. And yeah, you become a mom of a tween and a teen. And it's like, well, we still don't have that manual, but we need something. And it might not be the exact answer, but I think for me, it was more, I can't provide you with any answers. I am not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a parent coach, but I can provide you with real life experience as a middle school teacher of teenagers, as well as now a mom of four teenagers. So I just really wanted moms in that bracket to feel encouraged because so often it's once you become a mom of a teen, the teenagers looked at with sort of this stigma and stereotype and saying to moms, it doesn't have to be that way, but also saying when it is that way, it's okay. You're not a bad mom. So what was, so as you enter into the tween and the teen, what were the big changes that you found that you wanted to use within your arsenal on your platform to help others? Like, what, were there like a few things that were like, yeah, thrown right into your face, like right away? I think right away, one of the main changes for moms, not so much for the teenagers, is that all of a sudden you lose some community, you lose some support. Because when you have like the elementary school years, you're going to the birthday parties, you're at the bus stop, you're always engaging with other moms. And moms are oftentimes pretty open and transparent about what's going on in their kids' lives, right? Or hitting milestones or having issues with reading or with math. And you're very open. And then you sort of gain guidance and wisdom from those moms. And it's as if all of a sudden the middle school years hit and it just becomes like a shell. And everybody protects themselves and everybody protects their kids. Because now you're in a state where you do have to protect your kids' privacy a little more, but I think moms start to hibernate and it becomes like sealed lips. I'm not saying anything, but you can still share with moms and have that community without airing out all of your kids' dirty laundry and you can still support each other. So for me, it was more, let's offer support to one another to let us know there are really good days and let's celebrate those good days. But then there's also days that are really, really challenging and really hard and they suck sometimes. And it's okay to admit that, but you also have to find that community that isn't going to judge you. So I think that's one thing is that the moms start to hibernate. You start to have really not as much full openness and transparency and you're trying to protect your kid. I immediately think social media and you have four girls, mm -hmm. how we, we live in this, this time where, I mean, I trust me, I am so happy. I was born and raised in Moundsville, West Virginia. And we did not have Instagram. We did. We didn't even have MySpace then when I was growing up. So praising the man above for that. Yeah. How on God's green earth are you navigating? Do you provide tips, tricks for this, for the teenage years of social media and handling that just, you know, 
for, for anyone? Like how, how, how do you do it to well, as smoothly as possible? Right. <laughs> Which it's not smooth at all. Right. Because it's a learning game because for me as well, I didn't have social media. And I always say to my kids, I am so happy. I am not a teenager right now in this moment. I didn't mind that I would find out on a Monday or Tuesday I wasn't invited to a party or something. And I thought that was the end of the world sometimes. But these kids, it's just everything is in their face all the time. So social media, it was a lot of talking in our house. And my kids probably hated every moment. But it was a lot of sort of on repeat, right, giving sort of the social media etiquette and saying, you know, anything that you put out there is always going to be out there. Nothing can be erased. And just always as a mom giving like tidbits and reminders, whether it's at the dinner table, just hanging out in my kitchen, in the car, and just constantly filling their brains with that information. Because I feel like if we just hand our kids a phone and we allow them to get on Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat or any of those platforms, and we don't guide them and teach them, there are going to be so many mistakes made that are potentially detrimental and there's already going to be mistakes made, even if we guide them, because it's a learning curve. But I just felt like, let me give you as much information as possible. You know, let me say to you, you know, anything can be out there all the time. Um, don't don't feel a need to comment on everything, right? Don't feel a need to post every single element of your life, because you're then stepping away from the moment. You're not enjoying your time. You're just trying to put something out there for others to voyeur and see. And what does it really mean? So there's a lot of the sort of statistical, factual stuff to talk about, but also the emotional. And even if I find my kids now still just scrolling and scroll, I'm like, do you really care what that person's doing? And if you do, why? You know, what? maybe there's something a little deeper you can focus on right now. Um, but yeah, social media, it is... It's really difficult. And then as well as the emotional piece being difficult, the time management piece, right? It's addicting. You can just get sucked in for hours. And therefore, then maybe you're not doing your homework or responsibilities or spending time with your family. So it's like setting some clear boundaries. And I, mean, I did that. Have, I mean, I, I, I understand the boundary side of it, but like, do you find from your community that, you know, other mothers, other parents that are trying to figure this out, like, do you give like specific tips or lock the phone up for this many hours or on Sundays, there's no phone? Like, do you have any sort of strategies that you could share? Well, I think for me, I just went about it where if people were talking to me or asking questions about, you know, phone safety tips, anything like that, I really do believe every family is different. And every family has to do for their family and their tween or teen what they know that that particular teen can handle, right? So I feel like there can be certain um, little pieces of advice, but I think you have to take it with what works for you. So like for me, my kids are older now, right? So I have two who are seniors in high school and two who are in college. So I'm not on like... I don't follow it as much, right? I don't have to be on them. This has already been, we've been past that stage. But when they were younger in middle school and they first got their phones, it was very well known. Like I own the phone. This is sort of on loan to you. And I at any point can scroll through it. 
if I'm feeling or I'm hearing that there is something that maybe I should be a little worried about, I'm going to go through. And it's not to invade your privacy. It's just to make sure you're safe. Okay, so, Allie, how old were you when you got your cell phone? Me? Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. I was probably 28, 30, something like that. And we didn't, and it was like a flip phone, right? We didn't have rolling. We didn't have anything like that. All I could do was make a phone call, like call my students' parents or call my husband. Oh my gosh. Do you remember the bag phone? Like I remember like my parents had the bag phone and if you, you, it plugged into the cigarette lighter in your car. Yep. And you only used it if like, it was the absolute emergency. Like if right. your car is on fire, you could use that phone. Right. But otherwise you cannot. <laughs> I mean, and back to the tips, like one thing that I did when my kids first also got their phone was you, it was not allowed in the bedrooms at night. You had to charge oh, your phone right. in my kitchen. No, I didn't want you to be interrupted by the ringer. Even if you told me at 12 years old, 14 years old, you were turning the ringer off. Nope, you're still not being interrupted at two, three in the morning. We're not going to have that. We're also not going to have you wake up in the middle of the night just to scroll and see what people are doing. So in the beginning, I was very strict on phones get charged in the bedroom and I'm sorry, in the kitchen. And even if they had a sleepover with a friend, oh my gosh, my girls were mortified. I would make their friends charge their phone in the kitchen. And that was my rule for a long time. And then as they got older, well, that rule I pulled away because they were more confident. They had the etiquette. They knew what to do. I love that. I'm I'm going to use that when when, yeah. when we hit this moment. And I, I'm going to, I really don't want my daughter to have a phone for like years and years, like, you know, way, way down the road. But I, I have a yeah. feeling it will be like a lot sooner than I will ever want that to be. It probably the, will be. The emotion, yeah, I have no doubt. The emotional side that you you kind of you, you kind of already touched on, but I, I want to I would love to hear more about when you do transition into this tween teen world, and it's the moms being a bit more private, but that emotional connection that you have with your with your child, with your now tween, your teen, how did that change for you? How did you handle that? Because like. I instantly think of like, I don't want to lose like rub noses, let's rub noses right. or pinky promise. Like there's it th- that day will come and it just like switches, right? How well, was that for you? And how, how do you get through it, Allie? <laughs> I, you know, I think we all know it's coming, right? Everyone knows, but I will say sometimes the lead up to it is so much worse than what it really is. So, you know, you mentioned like the rubbing of noses or anything like that. Like for me, those things didn't end just because they were now teenagers, right? Like maybe our hug in the morning before school didn't last as long, but I still give my teenagers, even this morning, my seniors, a hug and a kiss before they leave. And I walk them to the door before they drive off on their own. Every single night, I still walk in and tuck my kids into their bed. And I pull up their covers and I give them a hug and kiss goodnight. So those things for me didn't end. I didn't feel like all of a sudden they're older, boom, they don't need those things from me anymore. Because those are like loving attributes and just really words of affirmation and showing your love as a mom. Because sometimes when our teens get older, 
it really becomes chaotic with all their schoolwork they have and all of the activities. So to keep those little moments, I think is what keeps you intact and connected. And I still, my college kids, every single night before I get into bed, so even if it's 11 p.m., I know they're not in bed yet. They're busy. They're doing their schoolwork, but I still text them before I go to sleep saying, I love you, sweet dreams, or sleep well with like a little heart emoji. And that's my way of still tucking them in. You know, so it's, and we still do pinky promises. I just saw my my sophomore in college last weekend, and we still did a pinky promise about something. So you don't have to change it, right? So you still, you have to give them more space to grow and allow them to be and not hover and not baby them. But those small moments that put sort of together your relationship of who you are and how you have sort of grown together, I think you always keep that. I do. What do you find within your community with feedback that you get from social media and through your website that what are parents most struggling with during the teenage years? I would say the number one thing is letting go. Letting it's go. really yeah. hard to find the balance because, you know, you have these teenagers who are living in your home who still need to be taken care of. They still want you to do everything for them. But at the same time, they want to remove themselves from you emotionally. And it's a hard balance because you're like, well, wait, I'm doing this and this and this and this for you physically and monetarily. But then I'm doing this and this and this for you emotionally. But wait, now you don't want this. So it's a real, it's a juggling act, really. And you just have to find that that balance of what works. And finding that balance isn't easy because it's, I would say daily it changes. So you sort of have to be on your toes a bit, but you have to be really flexible. But the letting go, it's like heart-wrenching for, for parents. And it's that is probably what I hear the most about and I get the most messages about. Um, you know, how do I let go? Like I because the letting go piece to a lot of moms, they feel as if it means their motherhood journey is over. And that means they're done mothering. So it's really just reminding yourself, like your motherhood journey lasts a lifetime. It doesn't oh, yeah. end just because your child turns 18 or they're leaving for college or the military or whatever they're choosing to do. You are still a mom. And when you can realize that, the letting go piece, I think, doesn't become as scary. Yeah, I, I feel a bit, I guess, pressure to have the relationship that I have with my mom. Because while you were just speaking, my, my mom is just calling. And it's like I, I either hear from her either calling or by text every day. And it's like that relationship, I like, I fingers are crossed. Yeah. I, I my, my toes are crossed that I get that same reaction and comfort in that with my daughter. Right. And it's like, so it is like that, that feeling of I'm no longer a mom. Like I don't want to have that feeling. So I hope that she doesn't ever feel like she no longer is a daughter. Right. And I think that's a fear. So many moms have, like I have a similar relationship to my mom. She lives 10 minutes away. I see her all the time. She's really close with all my girls. And that is something that I also want, but I think when you come from a family that already has it established, the blessing, I think, is that your kids already see that modeled. 
So right. they're already thinking potentially at a very young age, this is something that they want for their future. And but then you also have the moms who don't have that with their mothers. And that's heartbreaking for them. But I think what happens to those moms is they then are trying to break that cycle. And they really also put some pressure on themselves to try to have that connection that they didn't have and provide for their son or daughter what they didn't have to make it move forward and be really an attached connection. So I think every mom across the board is hoping for that end result of like an adult relationship, but it's finding how does it work in your family and what allows that to move forward. And like, even for me with four kids, it's different for each child, right? Like I, I can't parent my kids the exact same way emotionally. And we have different connections and those different connections that that's what keeps us moving forward for the future. Well, three years in to hang in there, mama, what is in the pipeline for you and your platform? Oh, well, I have a lot in my own mind and vision of what I would like. Um, but I do, I have some really fun upcoming summits that I'm on summits that I personally host with another blogger and writer, um, where we bring in guest speakers. I have a, a journal coming out soon, um, some speaking engagements and really my goal for the future would be some more speaking engagements and, and a book, a book of essays, you know, to give the support to moms day in and day out that would sort of correlate with the journal as well. So my goal every day, really, it is just to wake up every morning and inspire even just one mom and encourage them that, you know, you can do it. And it's really hard sometimes, but you can, you're going to get through it. You're going to be okay. You have the support behind you and it's not easy and no one ever said it was, but it's a beautiful journey. And if you can look at it from that perspective even if you have a horrible day yesterday to say, okay, there's always tomorrow. Tomorrow can be different. That is really my goal. Uh, beautiful words, Allie. Well, thank you so much for your time, your words of wisdom. All of your details, all of Allie's details are in the show notes. So you can head to her social media and her website. And perhaps there's a summit near you. Yeah. Like, I mean, who knows? The summits are online. Oh, Which they're great. all online. You can virtually, oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. See, the, the, the silver linings of, of what happened from COVID. I mean, there's a lot of awful, but, you know, being able to connect like that and the beauty of, you know, social media at times. At I times. would say COVID was my silver lining. It really, it was a blessing for me. I yeah. love it. Thank you so much, Allie. It was so nice to meet you. Oh, thank you. It was such a pleasure to be here. Have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Did you like it, Adia? Yes! Oh, the enthusiasm. I love it. Please share your love by giving us a five-star rating, a rockin' review, and please share with any fellow Busy Mumsies. We love hearing from you. So if you want to get in touch, head to the Busy Mumsy show notes for further details and links to the Busy Mumsy website. So long for now. Can you say bye-bye, Adia? Bye-bye, Adia. <laughs> 
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.